we are going to be looking this morning at discerning God's will during this hour. Before we begin, let me uh, go over some of the announcements that we have in our bulletin. Um, The classes that are going on now concurrently with this are midweek ministries. Be sure to sign up for those. There are some some good classes that are coming up. Uh, I'm particularly interested in the dispensationalism class by Dr. Mark Snowberger. He's an excellent teacher. I want to remind you about the Holy Land trip. The deadline to sign up is really today. Today. My wife was in the, uh, in the resource center during the uh, coffee hour, community cafe, and uh, she has another appointment that she has to be gone to, so I'll take her place in there, anybody who might be interested, or if you have any questions about the trip. But today really is the day that the deposit is due. Um, Sanctity of Life program that's going to be taking place here in our church in this building at 2 o'clock next Sunday afternoon. Uh, the Getting to Know Unite. I was, going to, I, was going to, I was going to do that in a dramatic fashion, that announcement. Let me, let me try that and see if it ruins the microphone. Hey, guys, in the mic, be, be, be aware of what's going to happen here because I'm going, to, uh, I'm going to do this announcement about getting to know you in a dramatic fashion. fashion. And it may affect the, the sound, because I'm going to say, Getting to know you, getting to know all about you. It's important. It's, it, <laughs> that's all, that's all you get. That's all you get. Um, I, was, uh, I was conversing with uh, Hal Solstead this week by uh, email. And we were talking about pictures, or he sent the email out about pictures. And I sent him an email back with a picture and uh, as an attachment. He sent me an email back that said, uh, you didn't send it in PDF format, so could you resend it to me? So I resent it again in a PDF format, and I got a response from him that said, Oh, I made a mistake. It isn't PDF that we need. It's a JPEG format that we need. Can you send it again? He says, now you understand why I'm not the, the, the tech guy here at the church. So I sent him back an email with the JPEG attachment, and I said to him, getting to know you, the next line of that song is getting to know all about you. I'm finding out more about you than you want me to know, buddy. But at any rate, getting to know you next Saturday evening. No, not next Saturday. I'm sorry. It's on Sunday, January the 25th. Sunday, January the 25th. I think that's two weeks away. And it'll be a Sunday night here at uh, 6 o'clock. If I don't know you, that's my fault. If you don't know me, that's your fault. I try to make it a habit to, to talk to new people as they come in, as I have opportunity. My problem is, <laughs> I can't remember your name. <laughs> I know a lot of people, but I don't remember their names. I remember faces, and I try to put something up with the, with the face so that I can remember who they are. A lady walked in the door just not more than about uh, 10 minutes ago, maybe, and uh, uh, Aaron and Ken and I were standing there talking, and one of them said, are you just coming up, and what's your name, and She said her name, and I said, where do I know you from? And she said, I don't think I know you. 
I said, well, I'm sure I know you from someplace. She said, I hope it's someplace good. <laughs> and in the process of our conversation, we found out that she works for the bank that my wife does business with. And me being the number one gopher in my wife's company, I make the bank deposits. I do all the things that nobody else wants to do. So she said, that's where I know you. That's where you know me from. She's one of the tellers at the bank. But if I don't know you, it's because I haven't introduced myself to you, I hope. I will remember your face. I may not remember your name. It may take me three years to remember your name. Some people I remember instantly for some reason, like Aaron. Aaron was one of those guys that as soon as he introduced himself to me, I knew who he was. From that moment on, I never forgot his name. Be careful, Aaron, what you do. Be careful what you say. How many of you, and listen carefully to this question. I'm going to ask for a show of hands, but listen carefully to the question, the wording of the question. How many of you know God's will in your life? God's will in your life. How many? Okay. I'm surprised. I thought I would see a few more hands than that, at least. I, some of you are still want to raise your hand, but you're not sure. It's not a trick question. It's not a trick question. How many of you know God's will in your life? Let me ask it an, another question, and it's also not a trick question. How many of you would like to know God's will in your life? A few more hands. Okay. God's will is something that we struggle with as Christians. We, we, we go through life saying, I wonder if that's really God's will for me at this point. Uh, we, we ask a lot of questions earlier in life that usually happens when we're younger. And I'm, I'm not intending to pick on the young people or the old people or anybody today. Uh, but we, when, when we're younger... We, we have a tendency to ask, I wonder if it would be God's will for me to marry that person, or I wonder who God has in plan for me. And I think it's probably because we, we sort of misunderstand what God's will really is all about. Um, when we talk about, I remember even eight years ago, I, I bought a new home, my retirement home. <laughs> Even though I'm not retired, I still am a gopher. Uh, God, if this is your will, we're going to buy this home and move into it. The reason we bought this retirement home, one of the reasons was because our church bought some property. And this home was in very close proximity to the, where the church was going to be. And we thought it would be neat to move close to the church again. Makes sense. I used to, I used to, when I was in Pennsylvania, I walked through my backyard up a little hill and I was in the church parking lot and I loved it. I loved it. I'll tell you a secret why I loved it if you promise not to tell anybody else, especially my wife. Because my wife is one of those people who doesn't run on a clock, she runs on a calendar. I, I was in the Marine Corps for 20 years. Time was very important to me. If somebody said this is going to happen at 7 o'clock, I expected 7 o'clock, boom, it starts. Uh, 
my wife, 7 o'clock could mean 7.15, 7.30, maybe tomorrow. Um, we'd, we'd travel a lot and we'd go to Hawaii a lot. One of my favorite, my favorite spot on planet Earth is Hawaii. My favorite island is Kauai. And the reason for that is because on Kauai, the basic philosophy of all the people there is, if I don't get to it today, I'll do it tomorrow. But I, I digress. Let's go back to God's will. A lot of things that we, we are concerned with, especially when we're younger, because there's a lot that we have to look forward to, is I wonder what God has in store for me. And basically what we're doing is we're trying to look into the future. We're, we're trying to look into the future and see what's, what's coming up. Well, I think that's the wrong approach, personally. I, I may be wrong, uh, but I think that's the wrong approach because God's will really deals in our lives with the present tense. Today, what's going on with us today? What are we supposed to be doing? How are we supposed to be conducting our lives? How are we supposed to act? How are we supposed to respond to certain things that happen? God's will really is, is in the present. And, and we try to determine God's will for the future. Well, God doesn't, want to know, God doesn't want us to know what the future holds because he just hasn't revealed it to us. For the most part, there are some things that you can determine about the future the way God is working today. But for the most part, it doesn't work like that. Now, I could have entitled this lesson, Finding God's Will. But that implies that God's will has been lost or it's hidden. In fact, God's will has never been lost and has never been hidden from us. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 3, Paul says, For this is the will of God in... Okay, here it is, black and white. We can read it in 1 Thessalonians 4, 3. Tell me, Paul, what is God's will for me? What does God want me to do? Paul says, this is the will of God, your sanctification. Paul says we should be pure. He says we should not transgress and wrong our brothers. Wait, wait, wait a minute. That's it? That's God's will for me? He wants me to be pure? I mean, I guess that's cool and all, but... I was hoping for something a little more, you, you supply the word there, something a little more personal, something a little more specific, something a little more exciting, whatever the case may be. First Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 16 through 18 say, Be joyful always, pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Again, black and white. God's will for me to be joyful, to be thankful, to give God the glory for the things that are happening in my life. Well... That's not really what I was looking for either. I was hoping for something a little more specific, like should I take this job? Should I join this church? Should I buy that new car? Or you fill in the blank. We've all been there. We've all done it. 
We've been through all these questions probably many, many times in our lives, wondering about God's will for us. This morning, what I want to look with you at the subject of discerning God's will. So let's pray together and ask the Lord for guidance as we look in His Word. Thank you, Father, for this time that we have together. Help us to glean from your Word the truth, because your Word is truth. We thank you for it, and we ask that you might help us this morning. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You have your Bibles with you, I hope. If you do, turn to Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2 specifically. Most of you probably know those verses. If you don't have your Bible, then get out your iPad or your Kindle Fire or whatever else you got, or your, your smartphone. I know you've got apps on your smartphone. Maybe we should say instead of open your Bible, I should say open your, your Bible app. I'm being facetious, of course. Nothing wrong with Speaking of your Bible, what happens to your Bible when you go home from church? It's a valid question. I'm not trying to be funny. I'm not trying to be nosy. What happens to your Bible when you go home from church? Let me tell you what happens to mine. I put it in a place where I know it's going to be next Sunday morning so that when I get ready to come to church next Sunday, I can pick it up and take it with me, and here's my Bible with me at church. The reason I do that is because during the week, I usually use my Kindle to look at various passages of Scripture and do daily readings. Uh, I have in my Kindle an, an app that will let me look at the King James Version, the New International Version, and the New English Version all at the same time. And I can, I can compare verse to verse. And... But I hope that your Bible doesn't just go on a shelf when you go home and you pick it up next week and bring it back with you, unless you have a Bible app on your phone or your, your whatever device you use. Who would have thought 20 years ago that we have all these things available to us, that instead of carrying my Bible to church, I can just whip up my iPhone and say, oh, yeah, we're turning to... problem with my iPhone is it's too small. My fingers always press three or four numbers at the same time. I'll get used to it. Never mind. I'll get used to it. Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, which is your reasonable service. No, I left something out. Let me get back there. I'm quoting from the King James. That's what I learned. Let me go back here, and this is the NIV. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good pleasing, and perfect will. I want to use this as a, as a jumping-off point to look into discerning God's will. This would be like some background information. The Apostle Paul, wrote into the, writing to the church at uh, Rome, he says, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in the King James Version it says, I beseech ye, therefore, brothers. Beseeching, is, is the same word that's used for begging. 
It's the same as if you get down on your hands and knees and say, please do this for me. Please, will you do this for me? It's actually begging for something. And uh, the thing that he's begging for is that we offer our bodies a living sacrifice. And it's interesting that he says, in view of God's mercy, because that's something that we can't just do ourselves. We can't say, on my own volition, God, I'm going to offer you myself as a sacrifice. Self won't do that. I still have this old nature inside me that that pulls, and, and I just can't do it by myself. But Paul says, by the mercies of God, or through the mercies of God, God has enabled us and will enable us to do those things that, that we really desire to do, that we really want to do. It has to be a desire. God, I want to please you. Therefore, I'm going to offer myself as a living sacrifice. Now, Paul and the people at Rome understood sacrifice. Today, I'm afraid we really don't get the, the real concept of what sacrifice is. I, I, I sacrifice my time going out to eat so that I can go with my wife to... No, that's not a sacrifice. We have a lot of things that we call sacrifices today that are really just little things that, that don't have any importance whatsoever. But Paul says, offer yourselves a sacrifice. He's saying, present your body to God. Present your will to God. Present your mind to God. Present your whole being to God as a sacrifice. And a sacrifice is something that once I've given it, I can't take it back. I gave it up. I sacrificed it. it it's, it's gone. It now doesn't belong to me anymore. God, it belongs to you. The sacrifice that Paul and the church at Rome understood was the sacrificial system where they usually would sacrifice animals. And the sacrifice would be to slay the animal. The animal sacrificed his life. Well, Paul says to us, I want you to offer your bodies a living sacrifice. A living sacrifice. That implies to me that there's something here that Paul has in mind that we're supposed to do. <laughs> if I offer my body a living sacrifice to God, then what I'm saying is, God, I'll do whatever it is you want me to do. How does God speak to us today? Through His Word. God speaks to us today through His Word. He doesn't use a still small voice. Not under normal circumstances. I'm not saying that He can't. He speaks to us through His Word. His Word is truth. His Word is truth. Now, as we go through Romans... 12, 1 and 2, and a couple other passages that we'll look at this morning. We'll, we'll, we'll tie that truth portion together through all these passages because the title of this, this time that we have together is discerning God's will. 
And discernment really is nothing more than differentiating between good and bad. Or, well, I was going to say pretty and ugly, but I might be stepping on some feet there if I do that. I don't want to do that. Uh, Differentiating between truth and error. Right and wrong. Okay, in order to do that, we have to have some kind of a standard. What do we use at our standard, as our standard? God's Word is truth. That's why we can't just take our Bible home, lay it on a shelf, and pick it up again next week and bring it back, unless we have another version of His Word that we can get into and find out just exactly what the truth is. I'm not saying that it's a bad idea to... I mean, my Bible looks like it's brand new, doesn't it? Because I take it home every week and set it on a shelf, pick it up the next week and bring it back with me. Actually, I just got it for Christmas. (laughs) It replaced one that if you saw it, you would say, why doesn't he get a new Bible? But I hope you use your Bible or your app or whatever it is so that you can determine what is God's truth. As As we learn God's truth, then we're able to discern because... Something that crops up that needs a decision on my part, if it's error, I'll know that immediately because I know what God's truth is. I don't have to compare apples to apples, oranges to oranges. I know that it's either truth or it's error. Now, in God's Word, He gives us many examples of truth because it is truth. But He also gives us many examples of Error. Let me just use the basic one that everybody's familiar with. Go all the way back to the book of Genesis in the garden. The serpent says to Eve, Did God really say that if you eat that from that tree that you'll die? God did. That's what he said. But Satan puts it in such a way as, did he really say that you're going to die if you eat of the fruit of that tree? He's planting a little doubt in her mind. Hmm. So that's error introduced all the way back in the Garden of Eden through Satan. Today we refer to Satan as, tell me, The prince of the power of the air. The prince of the power of the air. You know how how powerful Satan is? You don't want to take on Satan by yourself. Fortunately, we don't have to take on Satan by ourselves. When Christ was ready to leave this earth, he told his disciples, and he told us, along with his disciples... I'm going to go, but I'm going to leave you another that's like me. And that another that's like me that he was referring to was the Holy Spirit. He gave us the Holy Spirit to be a comfort, to be a guide, to be a helper, to be our conscience, if you will. The Holy Spirit, God himself, 
in the form of the Holy Spirit, is with us. He's here to help us. He's here to guide us. He's here to show us the things that we should do. Being God, the Holy Spirit, is truth. If we allow the Holy Spirit, and when I say if we allow, because Paul tells us over in the book of Thessalonians, don't quench the Spirit, meaning we can actually put the... The Holy Spirit isn't here to force us to listen to Him. He desires us to be willing to listen for the guidance. So the Holy Spirit is there as our, as our helpmeet. We can discern the truth from the error. Living testimony, I'm to give our living sacrifice, I'm to give my life to God to use as he, as he sees fit. It says that you present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy, H-O-L-Y, holy, and pleasing to God. If we are striving to live our life the way we should as born-again believers, then we should be holy and we should be pleasing to God in the things that we do, the things that we say, how we act. Our conversation should be pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world. The world... I'm going to speak of the world in this particular context as being the unbelieving world. Full of evil. Controlled by evil. Those who are of the world, non-Christians, non-believers, those who are of the world, their primary goal in life is to please themselves. That's really what I want, so I'm going to get it. This is what I want to do. So there's nothing to stop me from doing it. I may as well just go ahead and do it. And we see all sorts of things going on in the world today that fall under the the heading of evil. Okay? We're to be different than that. We're to be different than that. Do not conform to the pattern of this world. Most of you probably notice that every week I wear a coat and a tie. That's so that I'm not conforming to the rest of you. (laughs) That's not true. That's not true. I do that. It's just a personal standard that I've set for myself. I just want to look presentable. I was going to say look good, but I'll leave that one alone. I want to look presentable. You know, when it comes down to it, my Lord gave me his very best. He gave me his son to die for me that I might have eternal life. What I need to do in return is try to give the Lord my very best. So I dress up. I don't dress like this all week. Sometimes I wear a shirt and a tie all week, but not a coat necessarily. That doesn't mean that you should wear a coat and a tie. You dress the way you feel comfortable. I don't expect you to to meet my standard because my standard is, is for me not for you. You may not know this, but I don't watch television. The reason I don't watch television is because I don't want to be influenced by the evil that I saw 
coming through that thing. I know there's some good things on television. I know you can be judicious in what you watch and you can get a lot of good from it. But for the most part, to me, it was a waste of my time. It assaulted my intellect. I, I, I don't watch television. I don't expect that you're going to go home and throw your television out in the trash because I said that, because I don't want you to do that. You don't conform to my standard. You conform to God's standard. Personally, for me, I feel like television is a waste of time. So therefore, you know, if I don't watch TV an hour a day, I could read God's Word an hour a day. Just saying. Again, I'm not, you know... Maybe I better move on to the will of God because it sounds like I'm starting to meddle. M E D D L E. <laughs> I don't want to meddle in your life or your affairs. I don't expect you to meddle in my life or my affairs. But I do expect that as believers, we look at truth and evaluate the things that we say, the things that we do, how we spend our time, the places that we go, evaluate them in light of God's Word, which is truth, and then conduct ourselves accordingly. That's what we mean by discernment. Discernment. We're discerning the good from the bad. We're, we're discerning the truth from evil. When we start to do that, we will know exactly what God's will is for our life because it's all right here in black and white. As we read God's word, as we study God's word, we discern what it is that he's saying to us. We discern that this is truth, this is evil. Is there any in between? Are there some things that are evil and some things that are truth and some things that sort of fall in the gap here someplace? Personally, I don't think so. Personally, I believe it is one or the other. And you can't have one without the other. Sorry. Just thought I'd better interject that. Just to make sure you're still awake. Okay? If it's truth, it's truth. If it's not truth, it's evil. Hmm. You might say, well, wait a minute here. I'm going to go to lunch today. I'm not because I'm depending on somebody for a ride home. But I'm going to go to lunch today at a restaurant that serves liquor. I don't believe in drinking liquor. I think it's wrong for people to drink liquor. But I think it's okay for me to go a place that serves it. Well, that's fine. If you go there and, and you don't drink it, that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. Okay. The only evil that might come of that is someone might see you going into this place and say, Oh, I know them from church and I didn't think they'd go to a place like that. Trust me, this happens. Oh happens so many times that we just don't, we aren't aware of it for the most part. But you've, you've given someone an impression that you are doing something or you're involved with something that is not in their mind the right thing to do or the right place to be. And therefore, we're, we're causing a brother maybe to stumble. 
Okay, just saying, these are things that we have to think about. These, these are things that aren't automatic, but in a case like that, just simply going into a restaurant of that sort, and most of them today are that sort, but going into a restaurant of that sort could be an evil thing through someone else's eyes. And I need to be concerned what you think of me. I need to be concerned what the world thinks of me. Because I'm supposed to be, to you, a helper to help build you up. To the world, I'm supposed to be a testimony. Wow. It's a lot of responsibility on me, isn't it? No. No. That's not a responsibility on me. That's a responsibility on the Holy Spirit. Because he helps me. Because he guides me. He says to me, oh, wait a minute here. You're going to go to lunch? Why don't you go to uh, Five Guys Hamburger? They don't serve liquor. Well, I happen to like Five Guys Hamburger. I'd probably say, yeah, that's a good idea. (laughs) Things that we need to think about, things that we need to be concerned about, things that we need to be discerning about. Sometimes it's the, the, the little things, things that we would look at as little things. What difference does it make where I go to lunch? Well, it might not make any difference to you. It might not make any difference to me. But it might make a difference to somewhere, someone, somewhere along the line. And if that someone then looks at you in a different light, that's not a good thing. So it's an evil thing. (laughs) I wish I could say, here's a list of good, here's a list of evil. I can't, but God's Word can. If we want to be discerning God's will in our lives, God's will... For our lives, not for, in. Let's stick with God's will in our lives. If we want to be concerned with God's will in our lives, then we will take God's word, we'll read it, we'll study it, we'll, we'll memorize it, we'll use it in our lives as a standard for something that this is, this is how I'm going to live my life. Somebody read for us 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15. Anybody? 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15. Or if you've memorized it, just recite it. Anybody got it? You're going to make me turn to it? <laughs> Come on. Somebody read it for, me, for us. Okay. Everybody hear that? It's the, it's the last portion there that I want to really focus on. Who correctly handles the word of truth? What is the word of truth? How do we correctly handle it? If we don't know what it says? Ooh, now I'm stepping on toes. I'm starting to meddle again. No, we each have an obligation to know 
what God is saying. As a believer, as a born-again believer, we have an obligation to know the truth. We have an obligation to know what God is saying to us. We need to correctly handle the word of truth. Somebody read 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 and 17, please. 2 Timothy chapter 3, 16 and 17. If you've got it, go ahead. Profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness. God's word. How many people don't want that in their lives? We all need that. We all desire that as believers. One more verse I want somebody to read, please. First Thessalonians chapter 5. Actually, it's seven verses. Chapter 5, verses 16 through 22. And with this, we'll just about wrap it up. Okay. Whoa, stop. Read that verse again. Yes. Okay, go ahead. She read a list of things. When she got to verse 18, it said, For this is the will of God for you. For this is the will of God for you. If you know that, you can choose that. When you choose that, you're discerning between truth and evil. So we do have a list of what God's will is for us, don't we? Or in us. We have it. It's in here. Unfortunately for us, it's not turn to this chapter, this verse, and look at this list of things that is God's will in our lives. But it's all throughout the book, from the beginning, Genesis, to the end, Revelation. It's all there. And our duty is to then know it and to do it. How do we discern God's will in our lives? By knowing what God is saying to us, by applying it in our lives, and then by praying, God, help me to do it. God, make me strong. God, make me to be aware of what's going on in my life so that I can then choose truth. (laughs) I was going to say, or evil. Let's choose truth, not evil. God's wrapped it right up for us in a neat little package. What we need to do is open that package and say, Aha, I see. Oh, yeah. That's what it says. Lord, help me to do that. Help me to be the kind of person that is concerned for and willing to follow your will in my life that I might give you the honor, 
and the glory. Let's pray. Thank you, Father, for this time that we've had. Thank you for your word, which is truth. Help us to appropriate it in our lives. To appropriate it, we need to learn it. To learn it, we need to read it. Help us, Lord, to be diligent about reading and studying your word so that we can know what it is that you would have us to do so that we can honor and glorify you through our every word, thought, deed, and action. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.